Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. I love Mother's Day. How about you guys? Women, I know, do you know? Okay, sometimes Mother's Day can be difficult, right? If you've lost a child, it can be very heart-wrenching. If you've lost a mom, it can be extremely difficult. If you're unfortunately part of a broken marriage, Mother's Day can even be a, a hard time. But you know, I was studying this week here and there as I had opportunity, and I was surveying a lot of women, not uh, quite a few women, about what it means to be a mom. And we're going to go over some of those survey results. But I also went online to see some articles that pastors have. Today. Have you heard this? As they said, because it makes being a child in the way he or she should create and honor our moms. In fact, there's one commandment in Scripture with a promise. Who knows what it is? Honor your father and mother that it might be well with you and that you might live long in the land. Yet this day we recognize the worth and beauty of all the moms here. And we know you put in a lot of work. Can be a bittersweet day, but know this. This is a small church and we're like family. If you ever need anything, we're like brothers, sisters, moms and dads to all of us. So that's the great part about a small church. Amen. So the survey results, I asked several moms the hardest thing about being a mom. We're small this morning. What would you say? What's the hardest thing about being a mother? Scott, let us know. You, you don't know. <laughs> okay. So did you read my PowerPoint? Scott, hey, Scott did get letting them go was the number one answer. Letting your kids go. Okay, what else? What's a, what's a hard thing about being a mom, you moms? Oh, discipline. Discipline in your kids, that is hard. So the top answer was allowing them to make mistakes and learn lessons in life, okay? That's kind of letting them go. Uh, and the other one is letting them go when they are adults. <laughs> Cutting the apron screen. And sometimes you need to do that in high school. You need to start letting them and let them make mistakes, and that can be very difficult. The most rewarding thing about being a mom. You moms, what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom? Scott probably has the answer to this, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, grandkids. Mm. I can't wait. Yeah, I keep telling Cody, get busy. You know, we're ready. <laughs> Uh, I got the gray hair all for that, you know. It's like, what's the most rewarding thing about being a mom, moms? Yes, exactly. Someone other than Scott? <laughs> you know, believe it or not, that what, what the main theme that came about was that bond that you have with your children. That bond that, that us guys really can't comprehend. I mean, you, you carried a human being in your body for almost nine months. You formed this bond. You gave birth in pain. And how many of you remember that pain of childbirth? <laughs> Interesting. Despite the body changes of being pregnant, 
the stretch marks, you gain weight, the hormonal changes that you go through, the pain of giving childbirth. Women across the nation and the world say the reward of being a parent far outweighs all the pain and suffering that you go through. Fact of the matter is, when, when we have kids, we pretty much revolve our lives around our kids. Everything becomes about them and raising them. It's amazing to me how God ordained us, a man and a woman, to get married and to have a family and to raise that family and raise those children. Jesus said this, John chapter 16, verse 21. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain. Why does she have pain in labor? Yeah, because of the garden. That's part of the curse. You know, if it wasn't for sin, you would have no pain in childbirth. Wouldn't that be great? What day do you want to have it? Oh, I think Tuesday around 10 o'clock. Is that good? Yeah, come on in. There you go. (laughs) That'd be great. Oh, because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Amen? That little bundle of joy. It's uh, As a godly mom, number one, and there's three little points I want to go over, and then I want to talk about clothes, because I know women love clothes, right? Isn't it about all what you, don't you spend a lot of time figuring out what you're going to wear, ladies? No? Okay, never mind. Uh, we're going to talk about clothes, though. A godly mother saturates her children in the Word of God from infancy. Women, I want to encourage you with this. If there's one thing you do with your children, it's to read Scripture to them. Maybe put up a note every day with a new verse, and even when they're too young to read, you read them that little verse, and you talk about that verse all day long. You wash them with the Word of God. You instill the Word of God and the precepts of Scripture into your kids. When you do that, there's a promise in Proverbs, and I I believe it. Man, if you raise up a child... When they're young, in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it, even though they will probably fall away at some point. And if you're going through that right now, man, my heart goes out to you because there's nothing harder than having a child that's a prodigal, that's gone, gone far away. Second Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14, it says, But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. And this is Paul writing to Timothy, by the way. And guess who taught young Timothy what he learned? His, His grandmother and his mom, right? Okay, they taught him all that stuff. Hey, remember what you have learned and who you learned it from. Wasn't his dad. His dad was a Greek. His mom, though, oh. She taught him the word of God and the precepts of God. And how from childhood, oh, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy's mother, Eunice, and grandmother Lois taught him from Scripture very early on. It was intentional and saturating Timothy's childhood with the word of God in a planned way and a way of everyday life. Folks, I got to tell you this. They're looking at how you live. Yes, you become an open book. So they judge God by who you are. Do you know that? 
It was intentionally saturating him. If scripture is indeed God's inspired word, which we know it is, it supersedes everything else. There's no more important book in the world than the Bible. And we need to instill it into our kids. Second Timothy 1.5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you as well. Hmm. Transformation never happens with information only. We need to not only give our kids the word of God, not just rules, do this, do that. I remember one thing about my mom growing up. I questioned everything. Did, did any of your kids do that? You know, every rule you give them, they question. Okay. And I would, and my mom would sit down and take the time to explain to me why this is not good. Does that make sense? And it instilled this love for the truth to be ignited by real life examples and a sincere, congruent faith where you're living your faith daily. That's so important, not just giving them the word of God, but living the word of God. It's so important, men and women alike, we need to do that. And for some of us that are grandparents or about to be grandparents, it's instilling it in our grandchildren. It's leaving a legacy of faith. If faith and godliness are more caught than taught, is it true? Yeah, it's more caught. Hey, you can't really have faith just by someone saying, hey, God is real. Oh, oh now I believe. No, that's caught. There's this thing that happens, a transformational work uh, by the word of God and by the living out of our faith in things. In modeling a sincere faith, one does not have to be perfect, and I know we all fail. It's more important to be authentic and passionate for God. When you make a mistake, admit it. Man, son, I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I said that. I shouldn't have done that. Can you forgive me? Hey, I did that with Cody from the time he was a little kid. If I made a mistake, I owned up to it to my son. <laughs> you know, it was good. 2 Timothy 3, 14 uh, and then 16 and 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Godly parents train up their kids in the word of God. They model Christian living. We have the most powerful tool to be good parents given to us, and it's the word of God. You know, if you just go through the Proverbs with your kids, take a proverb a day, it is lessons for life. And make it applicable to them in their age group or your grandkids if you wash them in the word of God. This means moms and dads must be serious about using this tool for parenting in all aspects of values, worldview, and character. Folks, Christian worldview is on the decline. Do you know that? This, this nation used to be a nation with a Christian biblical worldview. That's all changed. Everything is changing around us, so we in our families need to instill that biblical worldview in our children. And so doing the best contribution that a godly mom can make for the kingdom of God. In fact, your primary ministry, women, is raising your kids and your grandkids and your husbands, because they're kids too, <laughs> in a godly way. Mm, there's nothing more important. 
Deuteronomy 4.9, it says this. Only give heed to yourself and keep your soul diligently so that you do not forget the things which your eyes have seen. And they do not depart from your heart all the days of your life, but make them known to your sons and your grandsons. Make known what? The things God has done in your life. Your testimony. Deuteronomy, a couple chapters later, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land where you are going to possess, so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God, to keep all his statutes and commandments which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. I know this, when someone gives me a rule without the explanation of why I need to obey it, I will not obey it. Does that make sense? So when you give your kids or grandkids rules of the house, when you give them God's law uh, from the word of God, you need to explain it to them and live it out. Oh, so that your days may be prolonged. I know this, when I've been obedient to, to God and to my parents, I've been blessed. Have you noticed that in your own life? And when I've been disobedient, I've usually experienced the discipline of both my parents and God. <laughs> Deuteronomy 6.5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you till de- today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters, and shall talk about them, now notice this, when you set down in your house, When you drive in your car, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you go to bed at night, and when you rise up. How often should we be teaching our kids and grandkids the Word of God? All day long. long. Hey, when you wake up, when you're sitting in the house, when you're driving in the car, when you go to bed at night, you're always taking that verse, reading it to them. What do you think that means, little Johnny? Hey, how can you apply that? And praying with your kids all day long. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be on the frontals of your forehead, and you shall write them on your doorposts. Uh, Pat and Kathy have a mezuzah on their doorposts. That's a a Jewish thing. That's where they put scripture and put it in that uh, thing. So they take that literally uh, when they go through that. Deuteronomy 11.18 You shall therefore impress these words of mine on your heart and on your soul. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and uh, they shall be as frontals on your forehead. What is it saying there? Do you know that, uh, have you ever seen the rabbis? They wear that box on their forehead. You ever seen that? Look it up on Google. They'll they'll put a strap, and they have this box full of Scripture written in it. (laughs) They're taking it literally. Is that what God's saying? No. He's saying, man, have it at the foremost forefront of your mind. As you walk through the day, have Scripture as the meditation of your heart. Verse 19, you shall teach them to your sons, talking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's so imperative that we're washing our kids and grandkids with the Word of God. Amen? But how can we do it? How can we live this and do that. I just want to go over a few things. The Bible says a lot about that. In Proverbs 31, for the homily, we read what? That a godly woman is clothed with, what's her clothing? It's up there. 
She's clothed with strength and dignity. And elsewhere it says wisdom. You see, clothing back then and even today kind of demonstrates who you are. When I first was ordained, I wore a three-piece suit all day long, every day. That was the clothing of an ordained pastor back then. They all wore three-piece suits. Do you remember those days, anyone? Some of you? No. <laughs> if you went to like a, a high church or a denominational church, uh, something like that. Now, pastors can wear, but no one knows. They all, you don't look like a pastor. And I'm like, what does a pastor look like? <laughs> you know. We tell a lot by how people dress. The character of a godly woman, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she smiles at the future. Ladies, if you don't possess those two qualities, the good news is this. God can give those to you this morning. All you have to do is ask. The Bible says if you lack wisdom, do what? Ask and it will be given to you abundantly. Proverbs 31, 26, she opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her, saying many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Amen. I love that. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman does what? Builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Have you ever met a foolish woman that does that? Don't raise your hand, Scott. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. Now, I want you to notice something profound when Solomon wrote this. Now, this was... Thousands of years ago, Solomon wrote this, even about the Proverbs 31 woman. You see, a godly woman, you become kind of central to the whole house. In fact, you become the thermostat for the whole house. Men, when we get home from work, we need to come in and love on our wives, not expect them to serve us, right? We should go in expecting to serve them because we're servants. But this wise woman builds her house. And I'm not talking she's out there with a hammer and putting up drywall and all of that. We're talking about the house is not the home, but the home is the people within the dwelling. Amen? Okay, no matter where it is, right? So strength in the Hebrew is Oz. I love that, the Wizard of Oz. You know, strength in Hebrew is Oz. I, I wonder if Dr. Oz knows that. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. And the Hebrew definition is might, strength, material or physical, personal, social, or political power. Hmm. Strength and dignity are the clothing. What a woman of God puts forth and people see. Strength, if you, only, if you can't be strong on your own strength, you can do it in the strength of the Lord. Amen? All you have to do is this. Psalm 31, 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who have hope in the Lord. If you have faith in the Lord, guess what? You are going to be a strong woman. No matter what happens in the house, you have faith in God, not in your husband, because we all fail, not even in your kids, but in God alone. You will be a strong woman. Take courage. Ephesians 6:10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might goes on to say there in Ephesians what? Put on what? The full armor of God so that you might stand in the evil day. 
I got to tell you what, your clothing, and I'm not talking about physical clothing, is super important, ladies. It's what you personify to people around you. Let me ask you this. Women, when you look in the mirror, do you see a strong, dignified, noble woman warrior with the armor of God on? That's how God sees you. And that's what God wants to give you. Able to face the challenges of life. Number two, dignity. In the Hebrew, literally, that is hadar. And it means armament. Hmm. I'm sorry, ornament. <laughs> Splendor. I, I like armament better. Honor. I need to put my glasses on. That would help. Oh, yes. Ornament. <laughs> Nobility and royalty. Women, when you look in the mirror, do you see that noble, royal princess? That's how God sees you. Ornament, splendor, majesty, honor, and glory. It's not about how you feel or even how you look. It's really about who you are. Are you a woman of nobility? Of character. Job chapter 40, verse 10 says, Adorn yourself with what? Eminence and dignity, and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. That's how you carry yourself with all these qualities that God wants to give you. Proverbs 31 25 again says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she smiles at the future. She has faith. It's not about how you feel or how you look, it's who you are, it's all of that. We have royalty in our veins as children of God. Do you know that? That we are joint heirs with Jesus. We should live life with strength and dignity. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This morning, God wants to change your heart to make you into that woman or even that man of nobility and dignity and character. Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay into the ci in, in the city until you are clothed with what? Power from on high. Folks, the enemy is the one that brings condemnation, depression, frustration it it as we age when we look in the mirror it's the enemy that says you're ugly you're not beautiful you're fat you're wrinkled you're getting gray you're losing your hair whatever it is whatever imperfection physically you have god doesn't look at that he looks at the character of who you are your spouse really doesn't look at that you are precious in the sight of god strength and dignity are your clothing we need to see through spiritual eyes when we look in the mirror, not just the physical and material. Clothed with power, putting on the armor of God. Wisdom in James chapter 3, verse 17, he defines it. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. If you want to be a wise man or a wise woman, the litmus test is, are those qualities yours?
Wow. Okay. Okay, don't people know they can't call a pastor Sunday morning? <laughs> uh, I just changed my ringtone, too, for a vacation. I, I put that on. I've got, got a little dirt on my boots, but taking you uptown. And, and anyway, sorry. Okay, Lord, please forgive me. <laughs> Were we talking about clothing? Yeah, I might have a little mud on my face right now, right? <laughs> uh, let me ask you this. Are these qualities yours and growing? If you want to be known as someone who is wise, you're going to have this purity about you. You're going to have that sense of honor, this peaceableness about you. You know, in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, that royalty that we have in our veins is because we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years on this world. I want you to consider that. When we die, it's simply a gate to the other side. That's when truly what we are created for begins. Life is a temporary journey. In fact, the Bible says it's here today, it's gone tomorrow. It's a vapor. It's a smoke. It's all preparation for eternity. And what you're going to be in eternity is what matters. And folks, the fact of the matter is, you are heirs with Jesus Christ. You will rule and reign with Christ. You have royalty in your veins. And we should have these qualities coming from our lips. Dignity. The idea of clothing yourself with these qualities is a statement of who you are even when you don't feel like it. For example, when I do a wedding, that's the only time, or a funeral, that's when I wear my suit. <laughs> uh, and I put my suit on, I put the clothing on, and there's something that happens now when I put a suit on. I feel different. That, do you ever do that? You put on nice clothes and you actually feel like it, it's different. It, it, it's weird. And the Bible throughout says, put on the clothes of strength, dignity, the armor of light. All these things, even if you don't feel like it, you put it on. Does that make sense? And as you act it out, you begin to feel like it. It's seeing yourself how God sees you. How does God see you? As precious. Fact of the matter is, God, the Father, sees you as completely righteous in Jesus Christ. His righteousness is imputed. We are clothed in Him. He no longer sees the ugly, sinful, horrible person that we are. <laughs> but he sees us as Christ. Revelation 19.8, talking about the church right after the rapture. And it says, It was given to her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and clean. For the fine linen is what? It's up there. The righteous acts of the saints. You see, as you work out your salvation... As you put on nobility and dignity and honor and wisdom and royalty, that becomes righteousness and your clothing uh, in heaven. Revelation 3.18 says, I advise to you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. He's talking about spiritually, right? Who was this church in Revelation chapter 3? 
Why don't we turn there really quick? Did he literally mean I salve and literal gold? And No, he didn't, did he? There's seven churches in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14, we find a letter written to the church of, you know it, Laodicea. Which ones were they? They were lukewarm. Oh, I know your deeds, verse 15, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich and I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire. What's gold? Our faith is as what? Precious gold. That's really the idea of having complete faith in God. That you might become rich spiritually and white garments. And what are the white garments? We just read it in Revelation 19. The righteous acts of the saints. It's what you do for God and others. That's the white garments. And the shame of your nakedness might not be revealed. And I salve so that you would have eyes to see. And that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit who illuminates the word of God to your heart and to your mind. All right. 1 Peter 5.5 says this. And all of you clothe yourself with what? Humility. What's humility? Strength under control. Humility is, I'm going to prefer you before me. Even though uh, at men in our, uh, in our marriage, if you get in an argument, you could grab your wife and physically dominate her. But humility says, no, I will never do that, ever, right? Okay, that's the idea. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Matthew 6.30 says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What's the context of that verse? Hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Oh, man, God takes care of the, the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. How much more won't he clothe you? Zechariah 3.4 says, And he spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. And again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and will clothe you with festal robes. That was a precursor to what? The new covenant. Christ took away our iniquity and clothed us with his imputed righteousness. 1 Timothy 2.9 Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly garments. He's really talking about spiritually and physically there. Verse 10 But rather by means of good works, as is proper for a woman making a claim to godliness. Colossians 3.12 says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on or clothe yourself with a heart of compassion, kindness, with humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are all fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's what people should see when they look at us, a godly man or woman. Verse 14, beyond all these things, clothe yourself with love 
which is the perfect bond of unity. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 says, But since we are the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. All these articles of clothing aren't physical, but spiritual. It's who you become. It's the character of your heart. Ephesians 4.24, it says, But clothe yourself or put on a new self, which is in the likeness of God, and have been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Stand firm, having girded yourself or clothed yourself and your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Colossians 3.10 says, And put on a new self which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Are you getting the picture here? It's how people see you. It's who you become. Romans 13.12 says, The night is almost gone. The day is near. And what day is he talking about there? Christ, Christ coming back for the church. Hey, we're in a dark night now. The world's going to get worse, but guess what? The day is coming when Christ returns. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say in verse 14, and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. Jeremiah 46, 4 says, Harness the horses. Mount the steeds, I love this. Take your stand with helmets on, polish your spears, put on the scale armor. Don't you like that? The, they had scale armor back then, Jeremiah. You know, the, the, the dragon scale armor, it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Isaiah 51.9 says, Awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as the days of old and generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab into pieces and pierced the dragon. You ever wonder about dragons in the Bible? Do you know every culture has dragon stories? Everyone. What were they actually? Dinosaurs? Kind of cool. I think it's cool. Isaiah 59, 17. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. All these qualities, all these characteristics we've been going through makes you a mighty woman or man of God. Luke 12, 22, he said to his disciples, Christ did, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than these birds? Verse 25, and which of you by worrying can add a single hour to your lifespan? Ladies, I got to tell you, as children of God, we don't have to worry. We put our complete faith and confidence in God. The biggest and most difficult thing of being a, a mom, what I found out in my survey, is letting the kids go. But if you let them go and entrust them into God's hands, it's a whole different thing. What you're doing is, I'm no longer the protector, the provider, the ones that brushes their teeth and clothes them. I'm doing everything for them. Lord, now I entrust them 
to you and you give your kids to God and you let him take over. By worrying, it's not going to do a thing. In verse 26, if then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. Yet they neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Isaiah 61 one says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good th- tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open up the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. You know, that garment of praise is something women that the Bible says elsewhere that he his heart is toward those that praise him. I would encourage you ladies, if you have a hard time putting on all these qualities, I can assure you you're probably not spending alone time with God in praise. I would encourage you, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And as you do that, he will mark you with dignity and nobility and strength. The Father is our mighty, almighty God, right? Uh, El Shaddai, literally Shaddai in the Hebrew, means mighty breasted one. It's usually used for women, but it's also used for men who are strong and, and warriors. A mighty breasted one. So he is this loving Father that loves you more than you can know this morning. 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This morning, God says, you know what? Maybe you've lost a mom. Maybe you've lost a child. But I'm your dad, and your family's right around you. I'll take care of you. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. This morning, you're a precious child of God. In fact, in Christ, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that you're a new creation in Him. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. You are righteous and holy in the Lord. You have a new self that's created in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. This morning, God wants you all mighty women of God, to shine. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. You're children of light, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, and of the day. We don't belong to the night or of darkness. And we know the armor of light that we are to put on. Philippians 2, 13, it says, that God is at work you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Men, He wants you to love your wives like what? Christ loves the church and gave himself up for it. Women, he wants you to shine with nobility and majesty. If you find yourself worrying too much lately, 
run to the Lord. If you find yourself grumbling too much, disputing too much, run to the Lord. Luke 24, 49, it says, Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of the Father. So go to the city and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Ultimately, we can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to raise good kids, good grandkids? Have the power of the Holy Spirit. Pour the word of God into their hearts and their minds. Clothe yourselves with strength and dignity. And if you have these qualities, you will be a virtuous, excellent woman worthy of honor. Amen. Uh, Ross, you want to go down and tell Cheryl to bring the kids up with the stuff? I would encourage you all, read Proverbs 31 this week. Think about this woman. Way back, thousands of years ago, when women were slaves and property, but the Bible said, no, they're virtuous and noble. Oh, even in the household, she considered a field. She went out and bought. She ran her household well. An excellent, virtuous wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. I pray, ladies, that you would just embody what it means to be a godly woman. I pray today that you would be blessed, that what your greatest fears and worry are, you would turn them over to God who's more than able to take care of whatever you're worried about. I pray that you would find this day your husband and your children rising up to call you blessed. Amen. God bless you all. Happy Mother's Day. As usual, the kids are going to come up and bring some roses for you. Roses sometimes are presented by dozens, but a single rose is the traditional way of expressing deep love and gratitude. A single rose promises lifelong devotion and love. The red rose speaks of love. A rose of any other color, guess what? It's still a rose. So it's not just red, but orange and pink and all these colors. They're all roses, and they all smell beautiful, usually. <laughs> but you ever notice that roses have something on them that can hurt you? Thorns? You know, despite the beauty, they can be thorny. They have to be dethorned. You know, all of us, there's qualities in our lives, in our character, that we don't carry ourselves with nobility, that we're not honorable. But God can take those thorns away and make us just that sweet rose. Jesus is called sometimes what? The Rose of Sharon. Oh, the Rose of Sharon. Happy Mother's Day. And restores my soul. Satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week.
Satisfies my need.